At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up to date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riffway Podcast. Good evening, Riffers. This is Riffs and Realms, the 5e D&D podcast where you discuss all you need to know about world building, from gods and demons to mountains and molehills. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master and creator of Riffwike. I'm Josh, your co-host and fellow Dungeon Master, world builder, and fantasy enjoyer. And today we'll be talking about themes and settings. So Josh... How do you write a theme and a setting? Well, there's a lot of ways that you can kind of tackle this. Um, Personally, usually the first thing I'm going to do is put together kind of the core of what it is that we're going to be looking at. Um, The thing that like sets it apart from other themes or anything like that. First and foremost, do you want to talk about the kind of high concept thing you were talking about earlier, or should I introduce it? Let me just go into it. So, when you're writing a theme um, or a setting, you need to start with a general concept on what it is. What we call this, um, this is also used in like other creative industries, but it's called a high concept. What it is, is more or less a pretty short paragraph on what this setting is trying to achieve or what it's trying to be for example um in a game it'd be something like okay this is a high mobility shooter where you uh, are able to traverse around uh, dynamically to take fights in a high concept for a world building uh, setting it would be more along the lines of in this world where you have uh, very few resources uh, the few that live there must struggle and kill to survive 
something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it's a very raw, very um, simple but sweet uh, passage about yeah. what this world is trying to achieve. It's kind of like the fundamental core of what you're trying to get across. Yeah. Um, It's generally going to be what your campaign and world centers around, or or in this case, novel or whatever. Um, Like, for example, Riftwake. I mean, Riftwake has a a pretty central high-concept core of what if everyone was miserable and also the gods were dead? Yeah, and they turned into batteries. <laughs> exactly. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Or in the uh, newest season, um, what if everyone had to go to fantasy high school? Like the high concept doesn't necessarily have to be incredibly detailed or incredibly broad. Um, you can kind of suit it to your needs but what it definitely should do is provide you focus clarity and direction for how you want to move forward um otherwise you'll kind of get lost in the sauce uh, all that sauce you know like, like all creamy the sauce you'll be you'll be putting things together and like it will randomly not fit and you're like why do i have a society of uh, indulgent fox lovers in the middle of my grimdark tech know, right? setting. I've made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's such a mood, though. It's like basically the the core concept is it's something to guide you so as to prevent instances where something feels off about your world um, mm-hmm. in the way that's built. So yeah, yeah. And all these are going to just be tools to help improve uh, what it is that you're going for. And then once you have your kind of high concept solidified in your mind, um, at this point, you have either found inspiration or are going to go about finding inspiration. Um, And that's anywhere from other books, um, other role playing games, other settings, uh, anime, TV, <laughs> movies, comic books. I mean, basically any school, uh, anything that is informative to you or formative to your youth or knowledge is useful here. It just kind of takes the high concept and condenses it a little bit further down into an aesthetic. So talking further about the um, wait, what what were we again? Uh, uh we're talking about inspirations, right? Have we covered the three pillars yet? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, Let, let's cover it a bit later. Uh, so <laughs> I understand. Uh, where were we? Variety of sources. We basically just finished talking about the variety of the sources, and then I finished it off by saying uh, that they're they, basically they narrow down the high concept to an aesthetic. Right. Okay. So let's see. Hmm. Okay. So let's continue 
um, about that aesthetic. Um, <laughs> in a high concept, there is a another way that you can demonstrate this uh, phrase or paragraph. Um, this is also called the three pillars. So, essentially, these are even more narrow in terms of scope, uh, in terms of what they want you to try and achieve, but uh, it gives you a bit more leeway in, okay, three different elements that I really want to show. Um, for example, you can be like, uh, the first pillar is, uh, let's see. <laughs> I want the players to feel t scared when mm -hmm. they explore through this world. Uh, the second pillar could be um, monumental. Uh, the world around you feels old and greater than uh, anything a human could make or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. and essentially it's stuff that may not exactly be un like be the same as what your high concept is, but it's stuff that you think, okay, it builds upon the high concept and tries and holds it up to create a, a couple additional injections of un uh, things that make it more unique. It's, it's like taking the high concept, which is we are constructing a platformer to, okay, we're constructing a horror survival platformer that is done explicitly in 2D. Exactly. Kind of like putting, putting restrictions, not necessarily restrictions, but like putting uh, holds on yourself. So it's like the aesthetic that we're going for is scary, old world, and like just daunting, right? Like Indeed. not only is, are things scary, but also things feel impossible to change and that gives the players something to fight against, right? Like, the setting itself is against them. That's better than I would have put it, but yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that's just, like, some examples. Um, and, of course, that, that works good for the dramatic ones, but it also works for the, the fun ones. Like, if you have your high concept being, like, fantasy high school, then you might want to have the restraints be, like, What's talking to girls like? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, having it be like highly social might be one of the pillars in this case. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. I just touched candle wax. <laughs> no one laugh at me. <laughs> Anyways. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so, Josh. Me? We have all these like high concept ideas, but how do we take these this concept and put it with the setting? How do we tie it to the setting? <laughs> Slap the roof of my dialogue. This shit can fit so many flavor texts in it. Boom boom. Uh <laughs> I'm very confused. I forget that that's not a meme that everyone knows. Uh just ignore that part. Okay. Um, so how, <laughs> how we can tie our high concept to kind of more ground level uh, feel or aesthetic that the person engaging with it is uh, going to be understanding it is through flavor text. Um, whenever you're describing like 
you know, Warhammer 40K is grim dark. Um, nothing is ever described as bright and cheerful and full of hope and joy in Warhammer 40K. Things are described as towering and imposing and, uh, you know, dark and grimy and nothing has been washed in 45,000 years and nothing will be washed because God damn it. Everyone's we have sad. an aesthetic we're going for. And you, you know, like technology just steadily devolves. That's fun. <laughs> you know, all the fun stuff. Or hammer. Mm-hmm. Round of applause. <laughs> Round of applause. So these descriptions and flavor text are likely going to tie in to your high concept and your three pillars. Um, it kind of no matter how good you write a setting, if your players or your audience don't see it, don't hear it, don't live in it, um, it might as well be a blank canvas. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I've just, like, forgot to describe scenery and everyone just assumed that they were walking on a regular road in the middle of a plane, and I'm like, Oh no, I have like all these hilly, foresty related con- encounters, and no one's gonna realize that that's where they are because I haven't said Can you anything imagine, about it. Uh, you're walking through a hellscape, and then everyone's like, mm, Yes, this is, I'm going to. Um, totally normal. <laughs> I am going to sit down and enjoy my sandwich. And then you're like, oh, Okay. <laughs> there's a hurricane on the way if you. And uh, there's puddles of lava. <laughs> this is highly uncomfortable it's hot and they're like Why? Oh, i didn't realize that we were in hell and you're like i <laughs> forgot to tell you we were in hell. <laughs> just can you imagine this like laying out a picnic mat picking a basket putting it down and just basket sets on fire right. all of your sandwiches are melted you know the potato the... salad is ruined no not the potato salad no depression envelops me <laughs> now that's 40k <laughs> <laughs> okay so not not to mention you you can also make uh, your descriptions tie into your high concept for example when describe like one of the core like core concepts in uh Riftwake's high concept is to make uh cities very prominent in the world so they're like points of extreme interest for the players. Uh, they're m- where most of the descriptions do lie in and most of the work's- work goes into. So whenever I describe a city, I go into great detail when the pl- party first arrives there on what makes it unique and different from uh, the typical uh, fantasy city. Because I think every player in their mind has an idea, or at least a kind of vibe that they expect when they think like D&D town, right? Like they're thinking cobblestones, they're thinking a tavern on every other corner, um, a reasonably priced blacksmith who's friendly, and perhaps a merchant who's not. Like, you know, they kind of walk into it with these expectations in hand. And so tying your descriptions of this new city that they're entering to your high concept. Like, you know, maybe this town has seen better days. And so you'll describe things as, you know, decrepit, run down, 
or maybe they're everyone's trying to pretend like everything is going great when in reality things are going really really poorly so things are like gilded um areas of high traffic are routinely scrubbed but areas where they don't think people are going to be going are fallen into disrepair okay it's... that that's amazing like just imagine how it would feel like um the party uh decides that they like they don't have the money to uh sp- spend on a more expensive inn and they just take a turn down uh, a side road and next thing you know they're just like Am I in the Is same fucking place? What the fuck happened here? <laughs> just like everything outside before was like, oh, you describe it. Oh, it's all gilded and the sun, it shines all over <laughs> the, the street. The sun shines brightly on Main Street. Whoa. Um, but you went down Stab Alley. Sorry, kid. <laughs> down Stab Alley, looking at every single shadow. There seems to be a person hiding in it <laughs> with a stabby knife. Yeah, you you have to step over three people with their throat and coin purses both cut. (laughs) At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. It's just uncomfortable. You, you, you're like... <laughs> Uh, when when you cross like a certain threshold, like a fucking swarm of thieves comes out. <laughs> Where are they keeping them? You look you, like like you look at the shadow, and it's like a couple of centimeters. Then you turn away, look back, and there's a person hiding there. <laughs> it's like whoa, what the fuck? There's just four rogues stacked on top of each other. There's like six inches of darkness. How are you all hiding? <laughs> Extreme skill. <laughs> I get a plus eighteen to my stealth roll. That's how, bitch. <laughs> but that that kind of lends itself there to to the natural exploration. Is that like you give them a large sweeping vibe or aesthetic for an area? And as they kind of pick at it and dig into it a little bit, you get to reveal some of the larger behind the scene things um, that, you know, sometimes we put those in there just for ourselves. Sometimes it's good to know that we have an alchemist 
in a city named Gorpin who Gorpin. sells crack. <laughs> That's just sometimes that might just be for you. Not every NPC is gonna see the light of day. Um, and that kind of gets us moving over towards the next piece of the puzzle, which is after you've kind of developed your feel and know the kind of aesthetic you're wanting to go for, um, that is to actually get into the setting of things, um, putting together your rudimentary map, um, whether that be using like a random map generator or just like using something that you have in your head, like how you think you know you want the map to go. Um, that allows you to answer the questions like what's the terrain like, who lives where and why and why. Um, what's the wilderness like? Are there monsters outside of the cities? Are the cities like the last bastion of hope? Um, or is there just wide expanses of oh, largely man. nothing? Can you imagine something, uh, a setting? Like, this is clearly a tangent, but can you imagine a setting? You're a goblin, and then, like, the entire party is goblins, and you're like, guys, we gotta be careful outside the cities. There's roaming <laughs> bands of humans. They'll come for you. We've got to be careful when we go in those cities. They're filled to the brim with humans. You know, those guys who bust into our cape, kill all of our elders and take all our stuff. They kill our kids, man. They kill the kids. It's horrible. These people are monsters. They're fucking monsters. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm just imagining Goblin Slayer, but from the Goblin's point of view. (laughs) Yeah, like, like, but maybe you'd have you'd have to make the goblins less shitty. <laughs> less shitty, like not shitty goblins. But can you can you imagine? It's just like the goblins just don't speak the same language, and then you're like, oh shit, they're, they're coming at us. They killed they killed fifteen people the other time. We 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 gotta get them. And then funnily enough, I did have a setting with that exact situation in there. <laughs> um. But it was more like the goblins had their own sub-society running in tangent to the main city. Mm-hmm. And adventurers would go out and just, you know, kill a, bun- kill a, ca- kill a goblin cave to get loot and stuff. Um, and on one of them, uh, it was the party who had, like, gone in and killed a bunch of people. But a lot of the goblins escaped, like, women, children, and, like, two hobgoblins who were responsible for them. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, this is just great. We're out in the middle of the mountains with no food and no <laughs> way to protect ourselves because our cave that we hid from other goblin tribes in is fucked. <laughs> and so one of the players actually saw them and was like, oh, um, I guess we start making a settlement for, for fantasy monsters to come and live a better life if they want to or can question mark so literally that like that kind of one-off idea of like goblin civilization became like an entire piece of the campaign for one of the players who just wanted to like get in there and create an entire settlement of monstrous npcs who were basically developing their own civilization of goblins and hobgoblins and ogres and harpies. (sighs) Great fun. 
<laughs> That's very cool. But anyway, off the tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Back onto setting. Um. Uh, yeah, that, that's like the fundamentals of setting is kind of pre creating the aesthetic and letting that aesthetic lead you towards how you want to do everything from putting together terrain, putting together um, cultures, putting together ideas, how certain people react to certain things, why. Um, what are cities like? What's wilderness like? Um, who are your players going to be in this setting? And then I usually go terrain first, then history. Um, because if you look at history, a lot of it is shaped by your geography. I'm just saying. <laughs> so you're telling me. Uh, that and so after I've set up my terrain and geography i start putting together small bits of history um you know kind of starting from the beginning of like you know this is our setting this is our general high concept how does the beginning of things interact with that if you're in if you're in a dnd setting like how do the gods come into play or what is the idea of people of how the gods came into play. Um, what, what's magic and technology like in this world? Is it rare? Is it everywhere? Is it, you know, basically sewn into the fabric of society? Or is it just kind of something that people who are nerds take care of? <laughs> Nathan? My co-podcaster is gone. <laughs> the co-podcaster has lost the ability to speak. Yes. Yes. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can't hear you. What? Yes, you can't hear me? You know, yes, I can hear you. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Um, what had I said whenever you disappeared? No, no, I could hear you perfectly fine. It's just like, you apparently oh, couldn't hear me. I did not hear anything. After I finished talking about magic and technology, there was a long pause where <laughs> I heard a lot of nothing, and I was like, Nathan, are you going to say anything? And then, like, I think magic and technology are evil, and we should stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Counterpoint. No. I think we should fight with <laughs> sticks. This is back in the good old days whenever I could just beat my neighbor's head in with a rock. <laughs> Indeed, rocks are very, very cool. I think <laughs> fucking stupid metal sticks just use a rock, man. A rock, rock <laughs> is the best weapon. It's the rock number one. It's plentiful and it's very effective. I use shards of obsidian glass to kill my enemies. <laughs> Who is the winner? Okay, where were we? Uh, I just finished talking about magic and technology. Um, we had like talked about creating the rudimentary portion of history of like how gods might interact, how like ancient history 
plays right. into the now or like even even then it's like not necessarily even ancient history it's like how does legends of the past play into the now are there heroes of old that you know people care about are there gods of ancient times that impact the world today um and you know kind of what those look like i say very epic um (laughs) yeah yeah so after you get into like a general idea of your rudimentary history um i find what kind of helps tie the human aspect human quote unquote human aspect back to the high concept is a question around the lines of like who is the winner in this kind of game of thrones political dynasties vying for supremacy or anything like that like who are the people on top who are the people that have been kind of cast aside or is that something that is being decided literally as you speak like have the elves already cast the drow into the underdark or are they in the middle of their battle for supremacy over the you know, Perhaps forests? The, the elves took the L. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> they can't help take the L. They're elves. No, but can you imagine a setting where it's just like you just did a pallet swap and then like, oh, the elves got sent. <laughs> yeah, the elves got sent into the Underdark, so now the orcs are the keeper of the forest. Are <laughs> like, orcs just druid people now? And you're like, yes. No, no. Can you imagine this? Is but I mean, like, that's like a world where mon, like a world where monsters want right. Like yeah. goblins are creating large mine complexes in the mountains. Hobgoblins are creating cities as a bastion of law. Like orcs are druidic protectors of the, of the nature. My name is Gork, and this is Tree. I protect Tree. This is my Tree. <laughs> I love Tree. Tree. This I named this Tree Sally. We love Tree. <laughs> Meanwhile, humans are like violent barbarians on the outskirts of society who have to survive by raiding the other communities and cultures. Let's get them! Let's fucking fucking go! Look at them with their stupid walls! Who needs walls? We got pointy sticks! Hell yeah! (laughs) I I, I really like this like like flip setting. (laughs) It's, It's fun. Like, I mean, that, like, that itself could be its own high concept. Imagine having a pet human. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't have to imagine that. Whoa. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> we learned something new about Josh today. Um, and kind of all of that portion, though, that, like, rudimentary history ties itself to, like, when... Are you having the story take place? Um, that that usually will tie itself back to a to your high concept. Like, is this the dawn of a new age where things are looking merry and bright, and adventurers go out to the world and are beating back the darkness, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera? Or are you in a dying world 
the death of an old age. The old order is gone. There's naught but chaos, chaos. Uh, in its way. Chaos! Um, or are you in a setting that's kind of creating its own history right now uh, where there might not be tales of epic heroes or uh, large stale batters, battles between the gods for supremacy of good and evil and right and wrong. Maybe this world is very young. In TV. When you go out, good. Um, and mm-hmm. just kind of having an understanding of when this story takes place does a great job of establishing uh, a feel and aesthetic and all of that ties really, really keenly back to your high concept. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's it. All right. I mean, you, you can't have a game without a theme, or you can have it without a theme, but you can't have it without places. Like, <laughs> like maybe you've decided that it's just going to be a silly romp. But I mean, that in and of itself is a theme. Indeed. Like, you know, your your improv is going to be inspired by something. Um, so why not go into it with a kind of vague idea of what you want to do? And players are, you know, they're smart. They're hard to guide, but they're smart. And they can pick up on the aesthetic or the vibe of a location pretty quickly with just a couple of minutes of flavor text and being allowed to interact with the world that they're in. Um, they'll, they'll kind of know what's up. They'll kind of learn what they can get away with. <laughs> what's a big ask for the world and what's not. Um, Funnily enough, an example of a bad way that I've done this was actually very recently, um, where in my very, very first session of our uh, Stars Without Number campaign that's on the Patreon only, or it's going to be, uh, I did not do the greatest job of establishing what the normal was. Uh, I kind of threw them right into a big change for their characters and their characters' lives. So they, it took them like a couple of hours to understand like what the setting they were in is like because things were so strange right off the bat. So that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me. And like, so like, like we're saying, like we're learning. We're, we're 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 learning some of this stuff with you, um, but learn never. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> she, I've been putting together stories since I was a twelve year old, and I'm learning new things about how to better world build and how to better engage. What is it? Fifteen years later, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, there's always room to improve to kind of help get people in. And to know yourself better. Isn't that right, CC? Very cute. 
So on the next episode, we're going to go a bit more in depth on setting up the actual environment that your characters are going to be engaging with. Uh, this time we talked about kind of a rudimentary map and a rudimentary history. Uh, next time we're going to be diving a little bit deeper into why you might make some of the choices you would with the terrain that you're given. So it's going to be fun. Okay, I think that does it for today. Um, I think it do. Don't you have to go hang out with friends? Oh, fuck. Shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'll see you, man. See you, man. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Realms. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tier stars as slow as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to monthly hangout where we'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, and you can send us an email riftwakepodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Discord... Have we done that? Did we did we write that? We didn't write Discord's that. Discord's completely free. Yeah, join the Discord. Everyone, I'm I'm very active. Jo- join. Yeah, it. he he actually is active. He just Extremely. sends reaction to gifts all the time. Ex- exactly. Yeah, jo- jo- fucking join it, guys. That's his version of communicating. <laughs> and that's it for today, guys. Oh, okay. That that has got to be the the the, the least formatted um, outro ever. I like it. I don't. The thing is, we're leaving all this in too, so oh, it's like no, it's the no. post outro kind of banter. Are we? Where? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's being left in right oh. now. The viewers, they're listening to this. We haven't closed out the show yet. I haven't said goodbye yet. Shit. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.